Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hey, good evening, football fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL podcast, episode number 271. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and we're going to talk football for the next two hours. And you know what? We've only had three games this weekend. We had a game Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. Why? Why is Sunday the most exciting day of football? The most entertaining, anyhow. Why? Guess what? Saskatchewan Rough Riders GM head coach... Uh, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer, Chris Jones, releases Duran Carter. Okay? No big deal. Yeah, yeah, caught most people by surprise. In fact, probably all of us by surprise because he's a pretty good receiver. But obviously there's a personality conflict, and we're going to talk about that later. But you know what? The most entertaining day of football is watching the Ryder fans come fucking unglued. Okay? They're nuts, including our fellow podcaster, Kelly Bale. He is just losing it out there on people. It's just amazing. He's defending Chris Jones's position. Okay, so what? Who cares? You know what? It doesn't matter. It's football, and it's not your only thing in your life. If this is the number one focus that you have, you have a problem, okay? There are support groups for people like you. You don't need to just freak out on people, okay? Come on. It's football. It's supposed to be fun. I'm enjoying it. It's just a game, right? It's a game. Remember? Sport, game, fun, enjoyment, entertainment, okay? Don't take it personal. It doesn't matter what your team does. You're still the fan, right? Whether they win or lose, you're still the fan. Participate in that. Don't come unglued. Like, seriously, there are people losing their minds. It's hilarious. And you know what? I I barely got to look at it today because I'm out doing fencing and stuff. But Will, Char- Charles, Mark, everybody else, we're sitting here watching this happen, and it's like a, it, it, it's 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 one of the most exciting days in football right now. I don't understand. You know, free agency is a pretty exciting day. First day of football is exciting. Beginning of training camp is exciting. The Grey Cup is fucking exciting. But this day unbelievable it almost blows them away just to what the entertainment value alone in watching writer fans unglued and they are without question they are wow i don't know i don't know what to say i'm gonna open up some mics here just because we got charles and we got will on board tonight will welcome to the show buddy have you been enjoying today (laughs) today was the best day so far this year of the cfl season it was you're right I didn't have to say a thing. All I did was sit back and read, and it was it was mind blowing. <laughs> it was mind blowing. I'm starting to think the tire fire is not in Montreal anymore. The tire fire is in Saskatchewan. So, hey, whatever. People in Saskatchewan are diehards. We know that, and. This is probably a pretty upsetting day for them because, you know, a guy that they've defended for a year and a half now 
just got let go from the team. So they, obviously the team they didn't want him in the first place. Well, but they defended him like with a passion. So I, I guess if you're on the team, great. But once you're off the team, they can say whatever they want. And you're nobody. They did. They did exactly that today. I guess those free movie tickets don't count after all. No. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Go ahead, should've, Charles. Should have been bond spiel passes, you know, and then curling. If it was a bond <laughs> spiel pass, it might, they might get some loyalty out of that. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Welcome, Charles. It was funny. Thank you. I made the comment after uh, the trade last night that uh, the, the Riders fans' comments were going to entertain me for the rest of the night. I was wrong because it kept me entertained for two for almost two days now. It's I mean, still going. Unreal. And it's still going. It's probably going to keep going for days. Uh, some of the Ryder fans are, are <laughs> hardcore in the corner of Chris Jones, not naming any names, Kelly Bale, but uh, and some of the Ryder fans are livid <laughs> that this move was made. So, and they're fighting with other fans, they're fighting with each other, and it's just turned into a complete and utter cluster you-know-what. And I'm just sitting back and enjoying myself watching this because this has become extremely entertaining. It is. It's the mo- it's one of the most exciting days of football that we've seen. This is the most I mean, exciting non-game day of the year. And it's not close. It's, yeah. Free agency was a scream, but you know, hey, this is awesome. Entertainment value alone on this is just worth it, man. It, I, I hope somebody else signs out Duran Carter just to release him so we can talk about this again. But I don't think you're ever going to get the passion from another team that you're getting from the Ryder fans. Nope. It's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. I, I don't understand. I don't. I really don't understand how people can take it so personally. How could you know? We we know people like this in, in different towns. I mean, bomber fans are pers- are passionate about their team like that. Uh, Tie cat fans are like that. You know, you can't say anything bad about their team. People get upset, and I go seriously. I mean, they trash the BC Lions nonstop. I mean. What does Mark sign off on our show? BC sucks, right? Who cares? It's just a game, and those are just words. And, you know, BC Lions released or traded G. Roy Simon, all-time receiver in in CFL history. So, it's just a player. He's going to move on, whether it's today, tomorrow, or next week, right? Next year, two years, five years. He's going to move on. He's going to retire. He's going to go away. Everybody gets... Leaves the team at some point in time. And that's what people Everybody's don't... Everybody's replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. And that's the one thing that, you, you know, people don't realize. <laughs> Players come and go. Coaches come and go. GMs come and go. Shit, owners come and go. The only constant with a football team are the fans. The only constant. You will never see a team, a player, or a fan jump teams. Very, very rare. I mean, Will did it, but, you know, that very rare does a, a, a fan ever go from one team to another. It, it won't happen. I'm a BC Lions fan for life. I will die a BC Lions fan. I don't care where I move to. I'm never going to move anywhere else in Canada. But you know what I mean? Ryder fans, 
They move out of Regina or Saskatchewan. They're Ryder fans here. I mean, you got green all over the place. Doesn't matter what province you're in, you're going to find Ryder fans. Shit, most of the countries in the world, you're going to find Ryder fans. They do not change their colors. They're green forever. Okay. But I don't get it. It's weird, man. It's weird. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm just having too much fun. Anything else, guys? We're not even going to talk nope. about Deron Carter yet. We're just talking about how much fun this is. We'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, as you might have noticed, uh, I only put eight segments in for tonight's I show. I didn't think we needed nine, and we probably don't even need eight, because I think the the whole Deron Carter thing is going to be <laughs> quite the discussion. But we'll we'll, go, we'll cross that bridge when we come I, to it. I, I don't know what there is to say about it, really. You know, they released them, so what? Where's he going to go? We don't know. Okay. Anyhow. So, um, did I ever talk on air? I know I've talked to you guys about it, but did it talk about the uh, play, upcoming playoffs in the CFL season and who's going to be in what position? Did we talk about that no. on air? Not on air, no. We've talked. No? No. Okay. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, Edmonton Eskimos came into BC. Tough place to play football. Guess what happened? Oh, look, the underdog won. And convincingly. So the BC Lions won this game. Charles, you were at the game. You actually got on TV. You were on TSN. We saw you. We I waved. Did. I don't know. Yes. Did you wave back? No, you did not. I uh, did not, no. Russ did. Russ Gordon, our buddy. Yeah, well. But Charles is just kind of standing there. Do, 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 do. Yeah, well, okay. you know. Yeah, yeah shit happens. So that's okay. You got on TV. Yep. Um, what do you think of the game? I myself celebrity. It was a great game to watch. It really was. Um, it was a really uh, exciting game, especially when you get it, got into the second quarter. It be, quarter it became very intense. Uh, a lot of hard hitting. A lot of um, very good uh, plays on both sides of the ball by both teams. And it was kind of a, a tale of two different games because uh, Edmonton, I thought, for the most part in the for most of the first half was the better team, but about with about five minutes left in the quarter, you could see the tide starting to shift towards the Lions. Now there was that one weird point where, of course, the Lions score a touchdown. Uh, Travis Lule hits Brian Burnham. He scores a touchdown, but he gets called back on an atrocious holding call to Javon Olafoye. And then on the very next play, Travis Lule overthrows Trayvon Van on a screen pass, and it gets intercepted and returned deep into BC territory by the Eskimos. They go through and score, and at that point, what should have been a 17-14 Lions lead, all of a sudden was 20 to 10 for Edmonton. And I thought about this after the game. If that were last year, that game was over. That BC team from last season does not recover from that. But they came out right after second half and they got the ball and they really took the game over in the second half. The defense of the BC Lions in the second half was phenomenal. In the third quarter, the Edmonton Eskimos 
had a grand total of three yards and did not have a first down until well into the second quarter. Second, uh, excuse me, fourth quarter. And the Lions really took the game over at that point. It went from 20 to 10, and then they outscored them uh, 21 to 3 in the second half. So you got to give kudos because the Lions really made the adjustments at halftime that, quite frankly, the Edmonton Eskimos did not. And I thought the Lions were full value for the win. Uh, once uh, the Lions took the lead in that game, you really felt like they were in control of it and they were not going to give it up. And they didn't. They got some big plays. They got some big turnovers, capped off by the uh, uh, Gary Peters interception in his own in the end zone to uh, salt it away. So it might have been all around the Lions' best all-around uh, performance of the season. Because even the first half, they were, I think, outplayed, but I don't think they were outplayed by a large margin. Uh, So I think it was really the Lions' best all-around performance of the season, and they were full value. Um, It's tough playing against Mike Riley, and Mike Riley can normally come back on any team, but the Lions in this one, they they really tightened up their defense and were able to uh, pull it out in the end. It was an entertaining game. Uh, I thought uh, the home crowd, which was better than I was expecting being a Thursday night, was very much into the game. They were very energetic, especially in the second half. So it was a fun night all around. So I really enjoyed the game and uh, thought the Lions were full value for the victory. Awesome, awesome, <clears throat> William. What do you think of the game? You, you didn't. You, you went well, to bed at halftime, from what I, I, if I remember correctly, and then you that, woke that up in the morning. Correct. and went, What I the can't. fuck? I can't stay up that late, but I did watch the second half the next day. And uh, it's pretty obvious what happened. Um, I don't know why the Eskimos would think they'd have it in the bay after the first half. They were only up by 10 points. And then in the second half, they got, well, BC's defense tightened up a whole bunch. And... Edmonton got outscored twenty-one to three. That's uh, that's pretty Amazing. impressive considering that considering that everybody believes that Edmonton is the second best team in the CFL, and pretty sure they got second place in the West locked up. Well, you got to play the game, and Mike Riley, Mike Riley looked ordinary, and Mike Riley always looks ordinary when a defense gets close to him and uh, BC was all over him. Um, and they just, it seems they wanted it more or something. I don't know what happens at halftime in, in some of these situations. Maybe BC thought to themselves exactly what Charles said. They should have been up uh twenty-one seventeen or whatever it should have been after that touchdown. And they weren't. So maybe they just said, what the heck? Cause I mean, Mike Riley had more yard than Travis Lule. Travis didn't play a great game. Yards don't matter no. when you outscore everybody. And, I mean, BC, if I do remember correctly, BC came right out and scored in the in the first series of the second half. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. And, hey, they just played better. It's that simple. And don't count BC out yet, okay, because this uh, – the West is uh, – the West is too close. Okay, the 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 
all the teams with the exception of Calgary, um, they're they're going to be a, they're going to be in a dogfight because I mean uh, BC is three and four, I mean which is not a big thing. Edmonton is five and three. They're still within striking distance, so uh, don't count anybody out yet. And I think, quite truthfully, Saskatchewan is just going to go backwards from here because they have some big problems. Anyways, that's yeah. all I got to say. Well, they're zero and two in the West so far this year, and uh, yep. you know that 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 says speaks <laughs> volumes. I mean, what can I say? I, I don't know. Uh, it was a great game. Uh, Chris Rainey, a 79-yard uh, punt return touchdown. I mean, he if that does not electrifying, one. if that does not get your team energized and get moving, I don't know what the hell will. I saw that as a turning point of the game, I might add. That, that's where that yeah, game that started to turn. The, I was going to say the same thing. It's the lift BC up big time. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, when you got Travis Lule, who I consider one of the best quarterbacks in the league – uh, running 55% completion rate with the longest, longest pa- pass of, of, of 39 yards, forget it. I mean, he just did, it, it didn't, it wasn't BC's offense that did this. I got Chris uh, just gave me a phone number here, so I'm going to call him in and I'll put him in the room. So anyhow, yeah, spectacular game. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I had to watch it on TV, so to speak. Uh, streamed it, but um, yeah, and it was a good. I mean, it was a good. It was a good game to watch. It was back and forth for the most part. Yeah, I know, and you know, and BC could have won the, the previous game in Calgary if they weren't taking so many dumb, stupid penalties. But you know, what ifs, could haves, wouldn't don't matter. What does matter is the but, final score. And the final score in the BC Edmonton game was in favor of the BC Lions, and that is all that matters. Chris, welcome to the show, buddy. We're talking about the first game of the week. Uh, Come on in and uh, tell us what you think of the BC Edmonton game. You picked Edmonton, didn't you? Oh, what a silly thing. Yeah, I did. Uh, But uh, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. It was, uh, I would say it's probably the game of the week for sure, entertainment-wise. it was close. I liked what BC did. I was impressed. Um, Edmonton's worries are founded. Um, their secondary is not that good, and uh, it shows. And uh, I don't know. Mike Riley got a lot of pressure put on him. He didn't seem to like that too much either. So I just I, I like what BC did. They looked they looked good. So I mean. I mean, yeah, I picked Edmonton. Of course, I did, but uh, I can't be disappointed when it's a good game. So, no. I, I told you guys that the uh, BC defensive line was going to make a difference, and when the when the D line puts pressure on the quarterback, the defensive backs, the secondary don't have to work as hard. But D, BC's secondary, who we all thought was completely porous, came to play football this week. They were knocking yeah. down everything. No kidding. Yeah, I liked Lee. Okay. Lee was really good, and uh, P- Peters. Peters did really well too, didn't he? Yep. Interception in the end zone to finish the game. Yeah, no, uh, it was impressive. It was. They looked good. They looked like a complete team. Finally, I think it's. Lule makes a huge difference at quarterback. He really does. 
Heck, they, they were able to hold uh, Duke Williams, who is normally a BC Lions killer. They held him to just 46 yards receiving. Yeah, did you see how much he was complaining about being interfered with? Which is good. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, when you, yeah. When, the, when the receiver's whining about being interfered with, that means you're playing good. <laughs> right. Because they always are interfered with. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was good. It was, it was, it was a, it was definitely their best outing of the year, without question. I think, and uh, hopefully they can keep it up. Makes it more exciting yeah. when there's multiple teams doing it. Well, the cool thing is, is that six of the next seven games for the BC Lions are against Eastern opponents. Eastern teams, yeah. So they should do yeah. really well then. You know, because yeah. I mean, Eminence scares me. They're just not playing that well at all. Their D is just not very good. I no, nope. yeah. Ben, I've never been a big fan of Benavides anyway, but I know you are, but I, no, I don't I'm know. Not. Their secondary is – oh, I thought somebody like Benavides on here. I don't think so. I mean, he's pretty okay. good as a defensive no, coordinator. He, I, he was good at BC a, as a defensive coordinator, but he had a spectacular yeah. team. Yeah. Did I yeah. hear and I mean, Did he, I hear a, a comment in the game from one of the sportscasters saying that Mike Benavides said he would still be the head coach in BC if Travis yes, Lule yep. hadn't have been hurt all those games. Yes, they, they did <laughs> say that. Not a fucking hope and shell. I had an issue with that, but I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, yeah. God. Especially, especially how bad, good Jennings was playing when he had him. It's exactly. not like he was yeah. a sore point of the team. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah, no, no, sorry, that's not going to happen. I don't think Benavides ever had Jennings. No, I don't. Who did he have? Jeff Tedford. No, he had uh, Jeff, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Who was the backup then? No, that was when they had uh, Kevin Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? Well, there you go. Jeff Jeff Tedford had Jennings the first year, and then Wally had him the next two. Right. No, okay. Oh my God! And well, the maybe then he needed maybe he needed a better quarterback then than Glenn. <laughs> Although Glenn was serviceable, come on now. Speaking of Nine. people, I still can't handle Jim Barker on TSN's panel with the hair. Like, what is wrong with like? What do they do to that guy's hair? Come on, he, he it's terrible. Okay, anyway. <laughs> He's got the best sports hair now since Brian Burke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he sits down in the chair and goes, give me something that looks like a really bad toupee, and I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's really that Boston hair. guy? Don, Don, what's his name? Don Black King. guy with the hair straight up in the air? Don, Don King? King? Yeah. Don King. Him. Yeah. Those two are in competition yeah. with each other. I think Don King died, though, didn't he? No, he's still alive. Oh, Don King's still alive. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it was... years, he's 86 years old. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it's all white hair now, standing straight in the air. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So anyhow, spectacular game. Really excited about it. Doesn't get much better than that. Uh, for a BC Lions fan, of course. Uh, I'm sure the. I mean, Edmonton Eskimo fans had to enjoy the game, even though. They lost it, but they, it was a good game. It was a very entertaining game, that was for sure. Well, like I said, the only thing if you're an Edmonton fan like myself is you're worried about their their, their backfield. 
because they they weren't getting enough pressure on Lule, and it just allowed him to pick apart the secondary. That secondary is not strong enough not to have front seven pressure. Although Boateng had a good game again, it just Lule's that kind of quarterback that you're not going to be able to get enough pressure on him to not be able to make his reads, and they got a good enough receiving core that they're out there, right? So, I mean, Arsenal's going to get open if he has a little bit of time, and that's just the way it's going to be. So, you got to sack him a little bit more. I, I, I wasn't disappointed with their front before, but, uh, but yeah, you got to be worried about their – and I have been worried about their secondary since the preseason. I just, they just – aren't playing well in the show. And I mean, even Grimes didn't have a good game, which is hard because he's one of the better in the league. And, uh, you know, usually he can carry them a little bit, but he sure didn't that game at all. In fact, I think he got beat really bad once or twice, didn't he? Grimes? I know he got beat once, either a touchdown or something, big yardage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was was just an awesome game. Okay, who's talking to me now? (laughs) See, he said, oh, really, Charles? What? We were just talking about Don King. And you got a picture of yourself with Don King? Well, <laughs> it's not really Don King. That was some no, guy it's on not. the street in Hollywood. But I had to take a picture with him because I thought he was funny. Well, he he looks like he's smiling. I don't know what that expression on your face is. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I gave him $3 for this. That's probably what my expression is. <sighs> okay, okay. Anyway. Let's, let, let's move on. Okay, so the final score was BC 31, Edmonton 23. 23 points. Awesome. Way to go, BC Lions defense. Okay, so guess who won this one? Mark and Chris, you weren't even in the game because you picked Edmonton out of there. Charles, 38-32. Pretty close. 7, 9, 16. You're up by 16 points. Yeah. CJ, 34-28. Ooh, close, close. Three there and five there. So you're out by eight points, CJ. That's pretty spectacular. Will, what did you get? 30-28. What? Okay, so you're out by one point one, there, and man. you're out by five points there, so you're out by six total. Will, you win. That means Will. Will wins. Yay, Will. Yeah. What's going Every post is about Deron Carter. Can you believe it? I might be done with football, man. Find a job that travels around the world, something where I can be myself. You're yourself all the time, and that's why everybody hates you. Doesn't that make sense? Come on. Well, somebody – power rankings. Well, we should do some power rankings. Let's see. Did they, did they move BC up from eighth place? The movies. Yeah. Well, I thought they did. I don't know. I don't know. How did they get power rankings? How did they get – they got – they put the Rough Riders in first – this woman knows nothing about football. Where are you Put seeing the these? This Sandra. Did you see? not see it? I'm just looking for Sa- it Sa- Sandra's week nine gone camping power rankings. I don't know. I don't know. She's just out, out to lunch. Absolutely out to lunch. Okay. Beside the point. Let's move on. 
Next game, Hamilton, Winnipeg. Who picked Hamilton? Oh, CJ, you idiot. No, come on. Hamilton had a shot at this one, but not even close. Uh, Winnipeg won this game, and uh, it, it just, you know, I really thought Hamilton would turn a corner, and they looked like they were doing really well, but I guess it's because they were playing Eastern teams. Because, like, Winnipeg just absolutely mopped the floor with them. It, there was no, no, I mean, it wasn't a, a blowout by any means. There was no, but there was never any doubt as to who was going to win this game. I, I didn't think so. I was watching and I just, Winnipeg's got this one handled from almost from the opening kickoff. And, uh, and it was more, I don't know what to say about this game. It's just kind of weird. Um, Chris, go ahead. Talk about this one. Well, you're right. Like it was a close score and it was not a blowout. And, it's pretty close to what I thought it would be, but you're right. Winnipeg always seemed to have it handled. They didn't seem to panic or or let any of the, the what Hamilton was doing get against them. And I just I don't know whether it was because they were the Eastern teams or I I knew that the the Montreal game was a a Montreal game, and it's it it makes it almost a one-off, right? So I wasn't convinced Hamilton had totally turned the corner. And Winnipeg was coming off the bye, so I knew that they'd be ready to go. Um, if anything, I would say that Winnipeg would have maybe underperformed a little bit from what I would have expected. Although, again, the score is really close to what I thought. I just, I just thought that they would maybe, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one because you're right. I don't think the game was ever in doubt. They looked very comfortable, but they didn't totally laid it up, and I, I didn't think it was going to be, and I knew it was going to be close in the end, but I thought more of a Winnipeg kind of comeback almost, and uh, Hamilton trying to come back, and Winnipeg being a bit more dominant than they were, but uh, but they looked good. I mean, they definitely got the job done, and I, I again, I wasn't sold on Hamilton turning the corner. I didn't think, I thought it was a Montreal one-off, and I, I think that they still they still have some issues, and it showed. Um, I still like Mazzoli, but uh, yeah, they still have uh, they still have some issues, and I'm not. It's hard to put my finger totally on what's what's with them too, because they they look okay, and I mean Brandon Banks had a, a great game, and I mean I guess you know Saunders was out, and he's been a big part of their offense, so you could argue that they just weren't on because they were missing a key receiver, but. Uh, Luke Tasker doesn't hasn't done a lot. I mean, I know he came off injury to uh, just a game ago, but I don't know. They're definitely still struggling, and I I I think it's it's more O than than D. I feel like this is kind of their problem because their D print did pretty good. I mean, like I said, Winnipeg didn't trash them or anything. They just they just were comfortably in the game playing their game, and I guess that's what the feel you get is why they feel like they was always in control because Winnipeg was playing their game, and they just had to fight the D through the D, but, uh, but the game, game, game was exactly what I expected. And I, I, I say BC's game was more exciting because it was, um, for sure. Uh, but this was a close game, so you couldn't have said it was bad football. It was good football. It was just, um, I like what I saw from Winnipeg and hopefully they keep rolling too. And, uh, it just, you know, like I said, Matt Nichols numbers were down a bit too. And, and uh, you could obviously you could chalk that up to Hamilton's D. I thought they did okay, um, 
but uh, their D is definitely good because they could keep Mazzoli in check. Um, but yeah, it was it was an entertaining game, not as much as the first one, but uh, they both. I think they both need to work on their offenses and both of their defenses. And I guess that's kind of a theme this year with the league almost, right? Like usually D's start quicker than the O's and usually O's catch up, but it seems to be taking a bit longer this year. Nobody's O looks overly dominant and a lot of the D's are playing very well. And that seems to be the theme across the league. So, so it makes it more of a defensive game, but it was good. I liked it. That's all. Okay, thanks a lot, Chris. Uh, Will, got your mic back on. You're making all sorts of weird noises over there. So, um, Am I? Yeah, you were. Was I? Like, what yeah. kind of weird noises? Oh, they just snoring and yawning and all sorts of weird things. I think it was you. Uh, well, I, I turned off your mic. Anyways, stopped, so anyhow, talk about the game. Uh, the, um, Winnipeg, Hamilton. Yeah. I watched most of this game. I thought it was a kind of a boring football game because I don't like Chris. I didn't think it was ever in doubt. Um, I, I guess with this game, you could take the Christopher Jones philosophy on football as far as uh, you don't have to have a good quarterback because Calgary doesn't have one. So they just keep on rolling. It's, it's all about the team. And I guess Winnipeg's team is better because uh, um Matt Nichols only had 180 yards passing. It was um, terrible. So and they and they still won hands down. So it wasn't and it wasn't close at all. I mean the scoreboard it should have been further apart I think, but Winnipeg didn't score. Um, yeah, I I guess Winnipeg's just getting that much better. And if you listen to Mark Weddle and and Todd Mogi, their defense is just outstanding and fantastic. And Adam Big Hill has 50 whole tackles this year already, guys. After eight games, he's got 50 tackles. Wow. Impressive. Well, that is pretty good. Let me tell you. Uh huh. Okay. Are you being sarcastic, um, by chance? He is. Who me? Who me? Yeah. I'm not being sarcastic. Um, I think there's a uh, like seven or eight guys who are in the high 40s. So, I mean, not a big deal. I'm sure somebody Adam will Big look Hill's that up. Adam Big has got 49. Chris Akey's got 48. Enoch Mwamba's got 46. J.C. Shirts and Alex Singleton are at 45. Simone Lawrence is at 43. Larry Dean of Hamilton's at 42. Brandon Dozer's at 41. Joe Vaughn Knox is at 40. And that's pretty much the There's top. There's lots of guys. There's lots of guys in the 40s, okay? Yeah. And uh, Alex Singleton has a game behind, so no, that's all he's I'm going to say. But anyways, huh? He's okay. not. I don't think he is, is he? Not what? He's not behind? Yeah. yeah, he's a game behind. Calgary's only played seven games. Oh, okay. played he's eight. a game behind Winnipeg, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Anyways, yeah, there's four teams um, in the league that are at, at seven. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, Winnipeg deserved to win the game. Um, it was against Hamilton, an Eastern opponent. Hey, and they won, and they're right up there with Edmonton. And right now, I'm thinking Winnipeg, I, I guess Winnipeg's defense is better than Edmonton's, but their offense probably isn't. So that could be a pretty tight matchup all the way to the end of the year. So there you go. 
Well, the Banjo Bowl and the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl are not going to be all that exciting there over in uh, in, in the western part, uh, eastern part of the western Canada. Because the no. riders aren't going to put up any competition to this at all. So, uh, well, you know, but the riders, the riders don't usually lose the bet or usually lose the Labor Day game. They don't know. I think it's ridiculous. No, so. No matter what the record is, it's weird. Yeah, that's a fan thing. Yeah. It really is. If if Winnipeg splits the Labor Day games, um, they'll be right up there with Edmonton because, as Willie knows, Edmonton is going to lose both games to Calgary. So, Winnipeg is. Todd chiming in. Is Todd chiming? Laughing out loud. Oh, well. Who has the number one offense in the league? Oh Todd, my God. you're in third place. I don't care how well your offense is. It's the W's that count. You're in third place, okay? And you know why you're in third place? You're tied with Edmonton, but you know why you're in third place? Lack of points. If your quarterback can't put the ball in the end zone, what's the point in doing it, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just don't like Matt Nichols. He's just not that good of a quarterback. He's okay. He's serviceable. He's passable. But he's not going to take you to the big game and win it. So it is 27 years since you won the Grey Cup. It's going to be 28. Moving on. Charles, talk to me about this game. Sorry, Todd. Well, the score was relatively close for most of the game. I do agree with you that... Uh, pretty much just with Winnipeg's game to win. Uh, They never really looked like they were going to be in danger of losing it. Uh, I just thought Hamilton came out in this game and looked so flat. Uh, Maybe they got a little bit uh, happy with themselves after their win uh, the week before uh, against Montreal, but you can't get overly excited when you beat Montreal. It's Montreal after all. Um, boy, that kind of sounded like Dr. Seuss. Um, but really, it was one of those things that uh, the Bombers, um, they were just, um, they kind of rode Andrew Harris in this one because Andrew Harris had 120 all-purpose yards. Matt Nichols didn't exactly have a great game. He only passed for 180 yards. He was steady. He was, hey, he was a game manager. Go figure. Um but the Bombers do have, I think, a very good defense. And uh, Adam Big Hill is playing extremely well. Um, he is uh, quickly becoming the anchor of that defense. So I'm actually, I even asked a question on Twitter the other day, so why didn't we bring this guy back to BC again? Uh, but in reality, um, the Bombers were the better team in this game. Hamilton was flat, and there ain't a whole lot more to say about that. They won the game, and they were full value. Okay. I don't know if you who. Well, you're being mean. Okay. So, final score in this game was Winnipeg 29, Hamilton 23. I don't know what to say about that. Okay. So, CJ picks Hamilton, and I'm out of the ranks. Uh, Charles, 38-28. Will, 
twenty. Oh, what happened there? You can't both have the same score. What did I do wrong? Uh oh. Uh, Charles had forty to twenty-four. That sounds about right. Okay, so that that was worse. They lose again. Yeah, Will had thirty-eight twenty-eight. Mark had forty-three twenty-six. Chris was thirty to twenty-four. Thirty to twenty-four. You're out by two points, Chris. Out by two points. Okay, you got this. The big golden star here, Chris. There you go. Two rouges off. <laughs> Two rouges off. You're out. Come on, really. Get your shit together, eh? Come on. Yeah, on. I know. How embarrassing for you. Okay, mm. yeah, so you win this one. And the third and final game of week nine of the 2018 CFL season had Montreal Alouettes coming into Frank Clair Stadium at Lansdowne Park better known as TD Place, to play the Ottawa Red Blacks. That was a mouthful, eh? A lot of different names there. Um, Yeah, and Montreal came in and played like Montreal. The fact that they were playing Ottawa meant that the game was actually close. Oh, did I say that really? I can't believe I said that. Okay, so yeah, it was kind of a... I don't know what to say about this. Uh, Johnny Manziel played... It started his second game, and... uh, Oh, well. It was an oh, well. 17 points. Not big scoring game for Montreal. But it he they scored more points than Chris, CJ, and Charles thought they would. Okay? But it was close. We were only out by a couple. Well, take off the, the defense scored a touchdown, though. So you take off that touchdown, then the offense scored what we Oh, okay. So, yeah, you would have been closer <laughs> down there at 12. Would have been 10 points for Alouettes, and you picked 12. So, yeah, that would have been yeah. pretty close. You might have won yeah. that one. Okay. Didn't count on the D. Didn't count on the D. <laughs> yeah. But there was some silly-ass people in here. This thing. Will. Will was the closest in the score. He was out by, like, four points, okay? Unfortunately, he picked Montreal to win. So, doesn't count. Yes, I did. Mark picked Montreal, so he's out of there, too. And everybody else thought that (laughs) Ottawa was just going to walk on him. So, um, Will, go ahead. You picked Montreal. How did the game go for you? You know, just by just by default, okay, Montreal should win that game because because Trevor Harris threw for four hundred and eighty seven yards and got twenty four points. Okay? Like can you say run up the mileage but don't score? You know what? I, I thought I thought Johnny Manziel looked better in this game than he did in the last game, obviously. Um I thought in the first half his receivers were dropping balls left, right, and center. And I still I still don't think you can blame this loss on him. Um, Montreal's defense let in a whole bunch of yards, but the game was still relatively close. It's just Montreal did absolutely nothing other than the first drive at the beginning of the second half. They did absolutely nothing in the second half. 
a six-minute game, and we're finding out this week that if you don't play the last 30 minutes, you're not going to win the football game. Um, yeah. I, I, st- I still think Montreal didn't didn't look that bad. Um, and, I mean, they let in 24 points, and they didn't have Tommy Campbell. And by the sound of rumors I'm hearing, they're not going to maybe have Tommy Campbell for the rest of the year if he doesn't straighten out his act. So, uh, you know what? I, I still I still don't think Montreal's dead, and I think Johnny Manziel is going to get better and better every game because he did not look out of place. I wouldn't say he had the most exciting game, but he didn't look out of place. And Trevor Harris, oh, you know what? He threw for all those yards, and they only have I, I didn't didn't even look to see how many uh did he have how many touchdown passes did he have? I'd be curious about that. Who's that? Um he had he had one. One. I he believe. had one touchdown pass. Four hundred and eighty seven yards passing, he had one touchdown pass. But that's I, kinda I don't, scary. No, it's not. And I don't I don't have a problem with that and I think that that's a terrible stat. Because I don't know how many times that a, a, a quarterback has thrown out of his end zone and marched the team all the way down to the one-yard line, and then the running back take it in. And the quarterback doesn't get a touchdown. Yeah, but I think in this case, uh, Ottawa couldn't hold on to the ball in the first half. I, I'm they not denying that. They kept on dropping the ball. Yeah. They kept on fumbling the ball. But yeah, I, where, I think Trevor Harris sometimes he's get gets lots of yards, but they don't have killer instincts. So, and I'm not saying it's all his fault, but you know, for, for the game, Ottawa had four fumbles, one interception, and one turnover on downs. You can't turn there the ball go. over six times and win a football game. No, unless you're but playing Montreal. Did. Unless you're playing Montreal. Unless you're playing Montreal. I really, really, really hope, and I don't know we're not supposed to talk about this, I really, really hope that Deron Carter doesn't go to Montreal because then this place will be just a total gong show. Okay? Yeah. So. But, did hey, did Chris Akey take one back to the house? Uh, yes. Didn't yep. he take a touch at, at pick six for Montreal? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yes. That That's the one you're talking about, right? There, Chris. Yeah, that's where Montreal. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was wow. first quarter or whatever. He took that one to the house. That was the first quarter because they only got one point. <laughs> oh, right. Second quarter then. It was before half. They got, that's why they were they got, leading. They, they ended up leading points. because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Halftime. It was a hockey score at halftime, nine to five. Bad hockey game, but it's yeah. still a hockey game. Baseball game? Okay. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Well, I think Will summed it up pretty good. I mean, uh, you, I mean, Ottawa was horrible. I mean, I, I, I can't believe how mediocre they've been playing this year um, with what they have for tools and receivers and quarterbacks and. Uh, yeah, they just did not impress at all. And the only reason they won is because it was Montreal. But, I mean, giving away the ball six times, like, oh, my goodness, it's just horrible. And one of them being a pick six. And, yeah, I, I 
You know what? I PVR'd this game because I couldn't watch it live. I watched a little bit of it live, I think, after halftime. I watched – actually, that's exactly – I got to watch live the, first, the two touchdowns, the one right after halftime and then the answer back, and then I had to leave. And then I tried to watch the PVR. I watched my PVR for the first half. Even though I knew the score was only like 9-5, I still wanted to watch it. And then I watched to where I'd seen live, and then I never actually finished the game because it was just – I mean, I knew Ottawa had won, so <laughs> at that point, Montreal had already scored all their points they were going to score. So you knew the fourth quarter was just watching Ottawa struggle to get two more touchdowns to win the game. <laughs> so I kind of just didn't even bother watching it. And that's for me, that pretty much sums up what I think of the game because I watch pretty much all football I can watch, and it just wasn't a good game. It was, it was a poor functioning game on Ottawa's part and Montreal isn't that good and they're not going to be that good this year but I will agree with Will I mean all you got to ask from Johnny Manziel is that he gets better each game and he was better and if they can get it going maybe they can finish strong but it's going to be too little too late but you got to look at as much how fan you have to look at what you the positives you got to look at what you have going forward so um. Yeah, I hopefully Montreal can finish the season strong, and we can see some decent football, and be encouraged that next year will be better. Because that that is there, and it's in the realm of possibility. It's just right now it's kind of nasty football when they meet a team that's not playing very well. Like, I I don't know. Do you really do you want to watch a Hamilton blow like that happened, or do you want to watch a game where you're watching a team struggle and they still beat them, but it just they they look like they could they they're horrible. You know, like, I don't know, it's a tough one. Montreal games are hard to watch. I guess you watch them to see what happens, and you watch them to see what Johnny Manziel does. <laughs> but well, though on the positive note, William Powell, sorry, on the positive note, William Powell did get it going. He had been had a couple bad games back-to-back, and he actually looked pretty good in this game. I did like Powell. Go ahead. You know, everybody's talking poorly about Johnny Manziel, and I, and I think Will and myself both say that, you know, he's he's playing actually very good football considering how long he's been in the league and how long he was in Montreal. I mean, the, the man just got tossed to the wolves. Um, but if you look at this game, he had 61.5% completion ratio for 168 yards. Now that's nothing for Bolivia Mitchell, Mike Riley, Jonathan Jennings, Ricky Ray, or anybody else. Right. But 16 completions for 168 point, 168 yards. That's 10 point something yards per reception. He, every time he threw yeah. the ball, it was good for a first down. Or every time it yeah. was caught. Not to mention the amount of drops was, those receivers had. That yeah. those are good numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Well, sixty-one percent completion ratio is awesome. Like that's that's a very good completion that's ratio. A good, that's a good, yeah. Okay, Trevor Harris, eighty-one point five percent completion ratio, eighty-one point five, four hundred eighty-seven yeah. yards, twenty-four points. That's embarrassing. That's really just about losing the ball, right? That's about giving six turnovers. It, it, it you know, yep. it, it's just. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It was hard to watch, right? Just it's just sloppy football. It's watching sloppy football because there's absolutely no reason Harris shouldn't be the team shouldn't be better than they are. 
or should be better than they are. And it just, it's like sloppy execution and sloppy football. And it's, it makes it hard to watch. And again, the only reason they won that game is because they were playing Montreal. You give up six yeah. turnovers to anybody else and you're not, you're not winning. No way. You're not winning. You're, you're getting destroyed. You don't get 24 points. Yeah. Or no. if you do, they score 30 or 40 on you. <laughs> yeah. Just on the turnovers. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, who gets six turnovers and doesn't score points? Right? Nobody. Even Montreal got no, six. Exactly. Okay, Charles, go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at it. The, the Ottawa Red Blacks in total um, put up 601 total yards. How in the wow. hell are you only scoring 24 points? Well, I guess it's because of six turnovers. That um, that'll do it. But I mean, it was. Um, I don't know how you get how you do that. I mean, even with all the turnovers, you're still only scoring 24 points on 600 yards rushing, or 600 yards of offense. Doesn't make any sense. Johnny Manziel, he played pretty well. Um, it was a, a head and shoulders improvement. Uh, from what we saw in game one. He settled in. Uh, he wasn't doing any stupid passes. He wasn't trying to force the ball, which he did uh, a week ago against Hamilton. Was he spectacular? No, but he did the part. He's improving, and I expect to see more improvement in the next game. And I thought he ran the he ran the offense actually quite well. I, thought, I was impressed about the way he played. Uh, he actually had his team in the lead for the majority of this football game. They were leading going into the fourth quarter. So for a guy in his second uh, second ever start, you got to give him credit. He did really well, and the um, the interceptions disappeared too. After throwing four last week, he didn't throw any. Uh, Ottawa. Well, first of all, it's pretty evident that Montreal's uh, defense is a joke. Uh, even though they got the four turn or six turnovers. You also got to look. They gave up 600 yards. I'm sorry, your defense is not good enough if you're giving up 600 yards. I don't care how many turnovers you get. Um, and uh, the offense just has no finish. Um, they scored, I believe, one touch. Or they scored two touchdowns offensively in this game. But you've got to have more than that when you're getting over 600 yards of offense. That's uh, and Chris is right. If they're playing any other team but Montreal, they lose that game, no question about it. So um, they've got to they've got to get some more finish. You get 600 yards, you got to have more than two touchdowns. And one other note there for um, Montreal is that this was actually the first time uh, in a while that I've seen Ernest Jackson really involved in the Montreal offense. Uh, He's been almost a no-show for the majority of the season, but he was Montreal's leading receiver on uh, Saturday night. He had five catches for 61 yards, so uh, good for him. And so it looked like Johnny football and the offense is progressing, but, boy, that defense, it's uh, its like Swiss cheese. It's not stopping much. Yeah, wait till Deron Carter gets over there, and he's going to just ramp things up for them. Donald Carter and Johnny Manziel on the same team. Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be just awesome? Oh, headline, after, headline after headline after headline. Okay. So, final yep. score. Ottawa Red Blacks, 24. Montreal Alouettes, 
seventeen. Wow. Will, Mark, you picked Montreal to win. Charles, you picked Ottawa to score forty two points. Yeah, that well based on their offense they should have. With that yardage they should have. CJ picked them to score forty five points. Okay. Chris, you picked him to pick 38. You're being a little conservative there. What happened? Well, they've been playing like that up to that point. So I thought I'd hold it back a little bit because I guess I was right more right than I thought I was. <laughs> You're out by 19 then, points. Okay? There's no way. Yeah. 19 points. And you win. <laughs> it's sad. That's sad. <laughs> but we all think you know, such a high score for Ottawa. You got your second. You got your second star for the week. There you go. I think, uh, I think Chris should be congratulated because obviously he went to the Ronda Hopi School of picking teams this year, and uh, he's way ahead of everybody else. And and he should be congratulated because he's doing a fine job. <laughs> happening I guess Chris either wins or he absolutely picks the wrong it. team right? <laughs> yep. absolutely blows it yeah well you know you got to pick your scores based off of what you got to pick your scores off of what you feel like the team's doing right just kind of like a power ranking so either you're right or you're totally wrong <laughs> Yeah, and this one you were totally wrong. No, just joking. Less wrong than everybody else, though. <laughs> Less wrong than everybody else? Is that how it works? Wow, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, well, obviously, 19 points is not a great score, but it, <laughs> I didn't. I, I guess, like I said, I didn't think Ottawa was going to totally go off. I thought they'd do more than they did, though. And that defensive touchdown is one of those things hard to, to factor in. It happens, but. Oh, I guess Todd's listening to the show because he's uh, he got all bent out of shape of us picking on on Winnipeg. So he went off and uh, teams leading in offense and defense in the CFL. So he, he went up and posted a bunch of stuff in there just trying to prove his point that uh, Winnipeg's one of the best teams in the CFL. Oh, look at that. Number one ranked offense. You're not the number one ranked offense if you don't have the W's. Okay? Back. You also don't have the points. So what if you got more yards? We just proved Trevor Harris got a shitload of yards, and it doesn't matter. I mean, you got to put the ball in the end zone. That's what counts. Right? You guys agree? Yep. You know, if you don't put the ball in the end zone, what the hell good is it? And, again, you, you, they're living off of a game where they put a 50-burger on Montreal. Well, good for you. <laughs> it was Montreal, yeah. and no Calgary didn't either, or no other teams haven't. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It's still one of those one-off games. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You killed a team that was at, in a bad state of affairs. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't, just, just doesn't matter. Okay, that's the end of the game. Let's go over to segment four, and we're going to have fun. <laughs> In a move that took many by surprise, the Rough Riders have released wide receiver Duron Carter. Why do we think this move was made this time, and where do we think he may end up? Well, 
this is funny because Deron Carter's teammates are phoning him and saying, hey, buddy, sorry to hear about this. You know, good luck. Take care. And Chris Jones hasn't phoned Deron Carter yet, okay? So, yeah, Deron Carter got released by telephone by Chris Jones only because Deron Carter phoned Chris Jones and said, what's going on? Am I still on the team? Nope. That's funny. <laughs> that's hilarious where the whole entire team knew that he was gone before he did. Ah, that's just absolutely awesome. Where do I think he ends up? Who cares? I hopefully he's out of the league and gone somewhere else. We just don't need this guy. It, there, there's He hasn't fit into one single team that he's been with. And, and why does everybody think he's going to go back to Montreal after everything that he's done in Montreal? And uh, new new management, I guess, figures he can do it. Okay. Here's here's something for you. In nineteen in two thousand thirteen NFL draft. Okay. Uh, gentleman by the name of Caden Cochran. Now Caden Cochran, nobody knows who it is, but he was the quarterback at the Coffeeville Community College. Coffeeville, okay. This is like this is not like NCAA Division One, Division Two. I, I don't even think this is Division Three. But anyhow, this is where Deron Carter played football, and Caden Cochran was his quarterback. Okay, goes back that far, back to his college quarterback, and here's what he said. He tweeted this about Deron Carter being drafted. In 2013, it says the team that drafts Duran Carter will get the most lazy, whiny, non-work ethic player the NFL has ever seen. I played with him. He's horrible. He's a horrible person and will be a complete cancer to any team he is on. 2013. Right, so we're going to see he's not a fan then. He does not appear to be a fan of Duran Carter. And that's what he would have wrote in his yearbook. He's a cancer to any team that he is on board. Wow. Nobody's surprised by the release of Deron Carter. Nobody. Well, every Ryder fan out there, or a lot of them. Sorry, what school did he go to? Coffeeville. What is that? Is that okay? I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, just cause I got I got a Google Coffeeville. Coffeeville is, is in Mississippi. Oh, hang on! There's Coffeeville in Alabama. Is it a Division Five school? Division Three? What is it? I don't know. Coffeeville sounds like it sounds like a junior college. To be honest, oh, I didn't okay, know such no, a school until about 30 minutes ago. Where? It's in Kansas. There's Coffeevilles all How over the state. Coffeevilles are there. I can't believe this. Coffeeville, Kansas. Hmm. <sighs> okay, so there it is. Coffeeville, Kansas. Montgomery County. I don't know. Population of 10,000 people. Huh. 
Well, and they haven't been to and they haven't been to a free movie since Drawn left. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? Community college. No idea. No idea. Okay. So, I know we're all laughing and joking around Duran Carter, not necessarily Duran Carter, because I, I, I feel bad any time that a player gets cut. It's not a nice thing to, for them. It's not a nice thing for their family. It's not a nice thing for anything. I, no, nobody likes the fact that a player gets cut. Uh, but the Ryder fans are having a hoot with this one. Or actually, we're having a hoot watching the Ryder fans. Uh, Chris. What's your thoughts on Duran Carter leaving the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Were you, was this by surprise? Did this catch you off guard? And uh, yeah, it did actually. Yeah. I, I, it did catch me off guard because if you put up with it for this long, and you're having the troubles you're having, he is got talent, and you knew who you had. And last I heard, uh, he was doing the check-in once a week and talking with Chris Jones about keeping him behaved and all that stuff. And for Chris Jones just to finally have enough. Now I've heard some, I've heard some of the rumors, like I'm sure everybody has that there was, he went on a tangent or something on Twitter or so. I don't know. He did something that obviously Chris Jones decided that was enough and it wasn't worth it. And I, I mean, I can, it surprises me because of the timing and the way it happened. It doesn't surprise me that it happened because of who he is. So, I, it, it's both ways. I'm surprised that they did it the way they did it, and when they did it, I'm just not surprised that it finally came down to that. You would have thought they maybe would wait till the end of the season and do it or something, but uh, but I don't know. It's uh, I'm surprised, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, entertaining to read all this stuff. Although it's going to get tiresome pretty soon, but um, because obviously, like you said, the Saskatchewan fans are all freaking out about it, and it's like who's really that you know. It happened because of who he is, and once you digest the fact that they just they pulled the trigger and did it, it's not that surprising. Um, where is he going to end up? I, I can't really argue with the four that everybody's been talking about. I mean, BC seems like a far stretch to me. I'm not quite sure why BC would go that way other than to improve, but they're looking pretty good now, so I don't think it would be BC. I could see the Argos, uh, maybe. Um, although Mark Tressman, I mean, he doesn't seem like he'd be putting up with a lot of BS, so that might be a stretch. Montreal's desperate enough that, but I mean, again, with the, the history there, but I mean, everybody switched over, so I could see Montreal. You know what? In the end, I guess probably Montreal's got to be the front runner. I mean, or the Tie Cats, but I don't know. I, I, you know, like Purefoy got signed real quick, and, uh, I'm assuming that somebody will try to snatch him up to try to do something with him. I mean, he's just got too much talent to – I think people get in that mistake where they think they can change him or manage him or – but maybe everybody will also take a look and say, if Chris Jones can't manage this guy, he's a write-up. So, I don't know. I, I, I think you're looking at the tie Cats or Montreal, though. That would be my, my, my gut instinct on it. If he goes somewhere, it'll be the, one of those two. I, I can't I believe he's even thinking in. about it. Yeah, I guess it was mm. – I believe that when I see it. I'm not convinced. Well, that's what Farhan said, and Farhan's usually got a pretty good grasp on well, things. So. true, but I, I think it's probably uh, kick of tires more than anything else. 
But I think if you can get Duron Carter for under eighty grand a year, it, it'd probably be a good scoop if you could bring him in and and you <coughs> plays a good boy for you know a few games here. I'm gonna realize. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. Go ahead. You're in the middle of something. No, I was no, just going to say, say that you... I, I just wanted to bring him in for one game in two weeks and have him torch the riders for us. That would bring me great joy. <laughs> and and then release him before Labor Day so you don't have to pay out his contract. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. See, that would be funny. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I, I think that that's kind of abusive, but it would be funny. Do you have anything to add, Charles? Well, I mean, we obviously don't know the whole story behind this. Whether it was a salary dump, whether it was an attitude problem, whether it was this or was that, it was probably a combination of all of the things. Uh, I don't care what Chris Jones said in his um, little press conference he had this morning. I take it with a grain of salt. Uh, so personally, I don't care what he said. Um, but really, it's one of these things that um, it it did surprise me. Uh, you said no one was surprised that Duran Carter got released. It did surprise me because I I always thought that um, Saskatchewan and Duran Carter were kind of made for one another. But uh, I think it I think it's pretty evident that he was not getting along with Chris Jones, and I think you can see that right to the back of the beginning of the year when they're bringing him and playing him only at defensive back. And I don't think Deron Carter really wanted to be there at defensive back. But um, hence he was there. And quite frankly, I don't think Chris, I think Chris Jones had got, grown tired with his act. And quite frankly, didn't want him there anymore. And uh, the, I think now that, that indicates to me that's why he wasn't playing offense. Um, he had fallen out of favor there, and uh, now they're releasing him. The thing is, I think that Deron Carter has a world of talent. He's an extremely talented receiver, I believe. And based on that, if I were the Lions, I would take a look at him. But when you consider all the factors, all the other stuff that comes with him, all the baggage, the arrests, the me, me, me attitude, the the Twitter uh, nonsense, Quite frankly, I I just can't see him coming here. I don't. He would be too much trouble for what it's worth. I'm guessing that if he goes somewhere, he's going to go to Hamilton or no, excuse me, not Hamilton, Montreal or Toronto. Because I think Toronto could be a fit because you've got the connection there with uh, with Jim Pop and Mark Tressman. So I think that could be there or Montreal. How entertaining would Montreal be, not necessarily on the field, but off the field, if you're sitting there with Deron Carter and Johnny Manziel on the, on the uh, same team? There would be stories coming out of there two or three times a week. You could just, we could do a half of our show just on Montreal if that were the case. Um, but, yeah, I, just, uh, I was surprised that it's done, but uh, it's obvious that there was a rift there between him and, and Jones. Of course, there was a rift between him and Jones. You know, every you know the Ryder fans are saying, "Well, his production on offense has been shit this year." Yeah, he he's played one played game. Offense. He played one game on offense. His production wasn't very. It's not up to par with the rest of the receivers in the league. Yeah, <laughs> one game out of eight. 
You think that whole thing on? Never mind. Never mind. Okay. So what are we going to talk about? William. Yeah. Carter. Carter. Okay. So, so I've been doing a little bit of research here, and as Uh-oh. I suspect it, okay, he his freshman year of college was in at Ohio State. By the end of that year, he was declared academically ineligible ineligible for Ohio State's uh, appearance in the Rose Bowl and the next year. Um, So then he went to Coffeyville Community College in Coffeyville, Kansas, which is a JUCO college. And if any of us have ever watched Last Chance U, you know that most of the guys that end up in junior college have attitude problems because they get kicked out of their – Division one schools, and they got to go somewhere else to play football. And so he played at a JUCO for a year. Then he transferred to Alabama. Then he transferred to Florida Atlantic, wherever that is, for his senior season. So he's been a pretty much a mess his entire career. And then he gets into professional football and attitude work ethic in general he's just not good but the guy is so talented that's why everybody takes a chance on him and if he would just get it together he could be the leading receiver in the CFL hands down but he just can't get it together and I don't know what that is all about it's all about our attitude and maybe (laughs) Maybe he'll grow up by the time he's 40. Hard to say. But He won't uh, be playing football. No, you know what? Saskatchewan, I was surprised Saskatchewan let him go. Um, will he end up somewhere else? I bet he does. Mind you, a guy like that might ruin a locker room unless you have really big personalities and they can quash that. But... Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he'll catch on with another team if he wants to. But maybe he's going to go in there expecting big money, which he's not going to get from anybody. And so, you know, with his talent, I say the CFL is a better league with him in it. But then you get the attitude, and I don't know if the, if a CFL team or the CFL is better without him in it at all because that attitude stuff man it just sucks and you know when you got when you have 30 or 40 other teammates that are busting their ass to make things happen on a regular basis and this guy doesn't put the effort in that can wear on a team over a period of time and i i i really wherever he goes i think it's going to be a problem in the locker room but that's just my opinion. And I just loved how all the Saskatchewan fans were losing their minds today. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't, they shouldn't have cut Carter. It was Chris Jones is a horrible coach, blah, 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 blah. It just went back and forth and back and forth all day. It was kind of funny to see. So there you go. It was entertaining to say the least. Okay. So, I don't know what else to say about Theron Carter. There really isn't. I mean, 
he he belongs in Montreal. That's where he's going to go. It's just I don't see any other solution to that. Nobody else is going to put up with this bullshit. So, wow, pretty funny. Hey, Will, you remember when last week when I was in Calgary and uh, you and I went yes. to a football game? And I missed yes. the last five minutes of the football game. Do you remember why? You missed the last five minutes? Yeah. I don't remember you not being there. Because my daughter phoned me. Oh, right, right. You were all wrapped up in that stuff, yes. They found our car. Our car got stolen. And uh, <laughs> they found it tonight. So. Oh, did they? Yeah, they phoned us up to tell us that they found our car. And they said, do you want it back? And Mark goes, not if I have to pay a fo- uh, towing bill. And he said, okay. <laughs> Say goodbye. Okay, it was worth that much, was it? Well, you know, it was parked out the back for a year. I didn't even know it ran until these guys stole it. I'm, I was surprised mm. that they could get it going. I'm totally impressed with their ability. Maybe they missed their career as mechanics. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think it was kind of funny. I mean, they stole a vehicle in Penticton and drove it over here. They were going to the, the uh, Country Music River Fest, Merritt Mountain type sort of thing. And they oh, were going right? over to they were going over there, and the cops caught them, so to speak, pulled them over, and they ran from the cops and uh, evaded them and and stole our our truck and our Durango, and then drove it back home to Penticton. <laughs> Did they catch them or not? I don't know yet. Oh, okay. They're, they're fingerprinting the car. Oh, so okay. Just thought I'd share this with you. I mean, people That's like funny. this that do that, you probably they probably have their fingerprints in the system. They don't just steal cars to go to music festivals without having been doing that before. But hopefully they were caught before it. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, okay. I think it was hilarious. Anyhow, so we may or may not get our car back. I may have to go to Summerland, Penticton, and uh, put it on the trailer and drive it home, but I'm not towing it. All right. Just thought I'd share that with you guys. It was kind of funny. Kind of fits in with the Duran Carter thing. Big clusterfuck. This next segment here. Despite the fact the Bombers have one of the league's best records, the numbers for quarterback Matt Nichols are down. Is it just a matter of as long as we're winning, we're fine? Or is there a cause for concern at Matt Nichols' decreased numbers? I don't think... Matt Nichols' numbers are decreasing at all. I don't really see a problem with that. What I see is that they were overly inflated prior to this point in time, and now they've come back down to reality. Okay, Matt Nichols is not that good of a quarterback. He was third string in Edmonton before they let him go. Okay, uh, yeah. What? How do you expect to be winning games when you're taking other teams' garbage? I've said that all right from the beginning, and everybody so high up on Matt Nichols, yet he can't put the ball in the end zone. He's not running up the numbers. He's just simply not that good a quarterback. The team around him is playing great, but he's just, you know, put somebody else in there and see what happens. I mean, they put a raw rookie in there, absolute raw rookie, where his first CFL game was his start was there because Matt Nichols was hurt, and he did really well. 
And everybody thought, oh, well, this kid's doing great. Well, he, he was absolutely green. He was, I, I don't want to say he was terrible, but, you know, he, he needs to improve. He needs to mature. He needs to grow. Yet he was winning football games with Winnipeg. That means Winnipeg has a really good team, and it doesn't matter who's quarterbacking them. Because Matt Nichols ain't that good, never has been. And you can think that he's wonderful and Bomber fans are jumping up and down and having a scream and saying, oh, yeah, but man, Matt Nichols, elite status, well, top three QBs in the league. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not even close. He's he lucky if he makes the top five out of nine. Okay, yeah, that's my call on Matt Nichols. I'm not surprised by his numbers being decreasing. I, like I said, I don't think they're decreasing. They're just coming back to normal because his previous stats were inflated. Uh, what's your thoughts on this, Charles? How long before we get a message from Todd? Um, I'm just going to say that, um, Matt I Nichols, didn't say anything new. I didn't no, say anything. No, I, I know you Nothing you've never said before. That's for sure. Uh, Matt Nichols, I still don't put in elite status. Uh, I know that some people try and put him there. He's a good to very good quarterback. Uh, I'm not going to call him a game manager, even though there are games where he plays like a game manager. Matt Nichols is not a super consistent quarterback. You look at a guy like uh, Mike Riley and maybe to a, a lesser extent, Bo Levi Mitchell, you can expect that they're going to put up you know, 250, 300 yards of passing pretty much every single game. Well, you can uh, you can't really say that about Matt Nichols. You can say that uh, you know he might have 400 yards one game, the next game he might have uh, 160. So he kind of plays to what the game situation uh, calls for. To me, they always say that the quarterback is, uh, is really the leader of the offense. Well, I got news for you right now. The leader of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense is Andrew Harris. And anybody that doesn't know that, you're not paying attention. That offense goes how Andrew Harris goes. He's a running threat. He's a receiving threat. And he is really the person that controls the tempo of that offense, not Matt Nichols. And it's not a slight at Matt Nichols. He does what he needs to do. And as we said earlier, the key is, getting wins, and for the most part, the Bombers have got wins, so do they really have to be concerned about Matt Nichols' production this year? I don't think they do, because he wasn't spectacular production before. He was good and great in certain games, but I would call him a very good quarterback. I don't put him in the elite status with uh, Bo Levi Mitchell and Mike Riley. He's not at that level. Anyone trying to say he's at that level are fooling themselves. He's a good to very good quarterback. He's probably in the tier two of quarterbacks, I would say. But that's just me. So you're saying he's in the in the the four five six range? Yeah, that sounds about right. Three four five six. I think you you put up. Um, no, there's the one two three four five six Riley. and seven eight nine. I don't know who I put third. Okay. I put I put Riley, Bo Levi, and then I don't know where the third is, so 
I don't know. Right now, I think I'd take take, uh, four, five, six. Jeremiah Mazzoli over Matt Nichols. I think Mazzoli's playing a much better year, considering his team is is kind of it. His team is not performing all that well, but he is. Tough one. Tough call there. Chris, jump on board this one. Matt Nichols, let's grind him into the ground. We don't have a bomber fan on panel tonight, so we can do this. We just trash the well, bombers. I, I know. Um, I, I did say a while ago, even so much as last season, that he did kind of – Matt Nichols did kind of win me over, and I, I'd agree with Charles that he's a, a good to very good quarterback. I mean, he's – He's got a good team, and he knows what he needs to do to win games. That's what I care about as a fan. Um, stats are stats, and I think you're right. They were overinflated. They're falling down to where they probably should be. Um, and I think the argument about elite quarterbacks is is one of those things where it just takes time to to show that you can be consistent and be and get keep getting better and 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 making that level right and. Uh, I, I, he's not there yet. I mean, I, I I don't think there's a justifiable argument other than the same argument that they're essentially making about why they're the number one offense and defense. I mean, you know, it's it's statistics can be used to prove anything, and 99% of people will tell you that kind of joke, you know. Um, numbers are only what they are good for, and there are definitely uses for them, but there's just a feel for it too, right? There's a gut. To, to things and you can see that he's he's a very good quarterback but he's just not Mike Riley wins games on his own and that sounds silly because he's got to throw the ball to somebody but he still is a, a statement that can be made about him and, and I don't definitely Matt Nichols is nowhere near that statement and I, I'd argue that Bo is probably not even at that statement which why is Mike's number one so yeah, I mean, I I don't think they should worry because they've got a very good team. I think that they showed it with Chris Streveler in there, um, that they can win with their backup, which is all you ever have to ask for. And Matt's very good for them, and he fits O'Shea's and, and uh, Paul Pulapis, uh, uh whatever, Paul's uh, offense, and he looks good. He manages it, runs it well, it fits him. They've built it around him the same reason that Mazzoli looks so good in uh, in Hamilton is that that offense is, is his offense. It's it's what's built for him. Or just by fluke, it happened to be good for him. But um, And again, maybe that elite status is, uh, I know, Christopher, you've said it several times, is take that quarterback and put him on a different team and see if he can still win. Mike Riley is definitely that kind of a quarterback. Oh, uh, Ricky Ray was that kind of a quarterback. Ricky Ray was that kind of quarterback. Is Bo? I don't know. We, and we may never know. Um, is Matt? Well, he's been on other teams, but he's never been a starter on other teams. So if you took Matt and put him on another team, say like Hamilton, would he be as good as he's doing? And I, I made that ar- argument about Mazzoli. If you take Mazzoli out of Hamilton, is he going to look as good as he looks? Right? So it's a tricky one. I, I agree. One and two is probably pretty easy. The rest are kind of just arguments and what your gut says and what your instincts are. And you'll fall into people that roll out of the stats as the God's gift to everything. And it, it isn't, it's, it is what it is. Look at like a Harris's stats, you know, they're great. Wonderful game. Too bad that it was not that great for you and you won it, but not, you shouldn't have, <laughs> you know, so, but, 
but yeah, I, I think it, I think that Montreal should be happy with Matt right now, and that they should expect to win games because that's what he's doing for them, and not worry so much about whether it's he's an elite quarterback or not. Or take it for what it is, enjoy what you've got, and hopefully he can take you to the big game. But like you've said before, he might not be the quarterback for that. But we'll see. He's not, yeah, he's not the quarterback to take him to the big game. He's just he's just not there. Not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Willie. Yes. Winnipeg Blue Bomber, quasi fan. You know, I I I really I really feel for the people in Winnipeg. I want them to have a winner. Okay? And Matt Nichols is probably the best quarterback they've had since Buck Pierce. Um uh, I was never really that impressed with Buck Pierce, but and I'm never really that impressed with Matt Nichols. I still consider him a game manager. Um, I would say he's probably in the top. Well, I, I think he's in the lower. Is he? No, I wouldn't say that. I'd say he's in between that four and seven range as far as quarterbacks go. He's just never really impressed me that much um you know luckily he has andrew harris to bail him out in the backfield um who is the greatest canadian running back since john cornish um he's actually better than john cornish but that's beside the point yeah okay um yeah i i i i can't see winnipeg winning the great cup with matt nichols but you know what Willie's go-to line is? Whoever saw Marcus Crandall as a winning quarterback in the CFL. Mm-hmm. So anything can happen. I mean, if you think about it, what year was it? Mark would know what year it was. You know, Winnipeg almost won the Grey Cup with Ryan Dinwiddie or Brian Dinwiddie or whatever the heck his name was. His name and was, it was Ryan. His first CF- and his first CF and it was his first CFL start. Yep. And, and they came real close because they had a fantastic defense that year. Um, so worst things could ha- have happened. Would they could they win a Grey Cup with Matt Nichols? Absolutely, they could win a Grey Cup with Matt Nichols. So, and I mean, there's nothing else that's much better. Um, I I tend to wonder. If next year um, Chris Trevler has an opportunity to be the starting quarterback in Winnipeg after a year in the CFL, because to me Chris Trevler is a heck of a lot more exciting than Matt Nichols is, and as Doesn't a fan I like, and as a fan I like exciting quarterbacks. You know, I think I think uh, Mike Riley is retarded to run down the field and try and run over guys. But, hey, man, to me that says this guy's a football player. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he reminds me of Matt Dunnigan, who did the same thing. I like players like I, – I like quarterbacks who want to be football players. And uh, so, you know, Matt Nichols, he's, he's an okay quarterback. But he's not great. Not yet, okay. anyways. 
Okay, quarterbacks don't win you Grey Cups. Well, they do. Marcus not Crandall. Often. Not often. I, not often. I know not often, but Marcus Crandall, there are exceptions to the rule. Right, um, but how Sean often does it happen? Sean Salisbury. Sean Salisbury won a Grey Cup Sean? for Winnipeg. Sean Salisbury was not that bad a quarterback. He actually ended up playing in the NFL for a few years. He was actually productive. Charles, Charles, Charles. Yeah. He he was he was a first year quarterback in Winnipeg, and then he went to the NFL and lasted two years. He wasn't a yeah. good quarterback. Fair enough. Winnipeg had Winnipeg had a great defense that year once again. Yes, they so did. So you can win. You can win with a poor quarterback. So the only reason Sean Salisbury scored, won a Grey Cup is because Matt Dunnigan decided to throw the ball on it, on the seven yard line with a running back who had already rushed for over 150 yards. I'm not bitter about that or anything. We can move on. Okay. You sure? Yep. Yeah. Anybody else want to trash Matt Nichols? Charles, are you done? I already went. Okay. Chris, you're done. Everybody's done here. I got nothing else to say about this guy. Yeah. I, I I don't have a problem with Matt Nichols. I really don't. I just don't think that he's on the he should be put on the pedestal that everybody that Bomber fans think that he should be put on. That's all. That's that's my only beef. You know? Don't don't think you got yourself a demigod when he's not close. Okay? Because he's just he's He's not without talent. He wouldn't be in the CFL if he was a useless quarterback. Okay, we've seen a few of them, but he wouldn't be here. Okay, he had to show some promise somewhere. He got the starting job away from Mike Riley, and then got injured. And that's another thing. Everybody keeps talking about Travis Lule being hurt for the majority of his career. Hasn't Matt Nichols been hurt for most of his career? Really? Like I, I think most of the time. More. He more has time been hurt a lot. Yep. Yeah. He's been hurt lots. He's been hurt a lot. Not only in Winnipeg, but in Edmonton and, and you know, no. Guy can't hold it together, and then when he does, he's not that good. Why would you keep that? I'm surprised he's still in the league. I really am still surprised he's still in the league. But the only okay. he lost his job because he couldn't stay healthy in Edmonton. He was going to be the starter, and then he got hurt, and Mike Riley took his job from him. Yeah, can you imagine what would have happened in Edmonton if they Matt Nichols took the, the number one position and Matt Riley went to, to backup and then went somewhere else? Man, he would have gone oh, back he, to BC after Travis got hurt. And Oh, my good Lord, where would we be now? In the middle of a goddamn dynasty. Okay. What can I say? Moving on. A poll by CFL.ca asked about the most exciting player in the CFL, and they gave two options, James Wilder Jr. or Duke Lewis. Williams. Williams, sorry. Duke Williams. Do I have Lewis? No, you didn't. That was me. That was a complete mind blown by me. I don't even know who Duke Lewis was or is, if there's such a thing. Anyhow, I just kind of, I don't know what happened there. Who do we think is the most exciting player in the CFL, one of the two choices, or somebody else? Well, I don't consider James Wilder Jr. an exciting player. Not this year. He might have been last year. 
This year he's a total dud. Now, Duke Williams, on the other hand, he's playing some decent football, but is he the most exciting player? No, not really. Uh, I mean, to me, Andrew Harris is play, is pretty exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know what the hell he's going to do, and whatever it is, it's going to be good. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I can't. I, 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 neither of these two. They don't even count in the top ten, I don't think, my opinion. I was surprised that those were the choices. Yeah. Go ahead, Charles. Who's your most exciting player this year? Well, most exciting player, I mean, I'm kind of on the same page with you as uh, with Andrew Harris. Um, I could also throw in guys like, uh, well, Chris Rainey, especially with the way he's been returning balls, uh, or even Brandon Banks. Um, who else is on that list? Um, there's a couple of them. Um, well, those three guys come to mind anyways. Um Heck, I Shit, could put maybe Brian Burnham on there with some of the catches, some of the catches he made. I don't know. Um, I just, I don't put. Well, I mean, Wilder's been mediocre at best this year. I don't even know how he makes this poll. And Duke Williams isn't bad, but I've never been overly excited by him. He could put Deron Carter on that list. You could. Sure, you could. <laughs> He's definitely been entertaining, if not exciting. Mm-hmm. Wow, He's okay. Off the field. Yeah, well, always. Always, especially always. Today. Yeah, especially today. But it wasn't really him entertaining us so much as the other people around him. This yeah. is true. Yeah. Okay, so, um, Chris, you going with Duke Williams? Yeah. <clears throat> No, I'm not. I agree with uh, Charles. Um, I knew. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, neither of them. I mean, I like Duke Williams, and um, he's a good receiver, and he's just. Uh, I guess you could say he's exciting to watch, I suppose. He makes some decent catches. He's a big man. He's, he uses his body as well. He reminds me a lot of uh, Arsenal. And, uh, you know, the, the Manny show is something that hasn't happened a ton this year, but it, it looks like it might pick up, hopefully. Um, exciting is very hard to quantify, though, right? Like, it just depends on what you find exciting. Like, we're talking about O, o players, but I kind of like D, so I think Adam Hill is an exciting player. Uh, you know, Alex, Singled, Alex Singleton, you know, like there's some – as much as sometimes I don't like him, Simone Lawrence, right? Like, I mean, do you think exciting means yapping on the field? Do you think it means like it just all depends on what you what you enjoy? I mean, we can all agree there are, I think, a, a, a plethora of players that we would consider exciting and that we enjoy watching, which is great for the league, which is the way it should be. And hopefully, you've got every team that has those players on them, so that they're all worth watching. Um, even when you've got a team that's struggling or is not really that good, there's players you still hope that, that are exciting and, and you like to watch as much as I don't like them that much. I mean, Chip, Chip Cox is a heck of a football player, um, you know, and uh, he flies around out there for an older guy. And, I mean, he's not as dirty as some of them that been through that program, but, I mean, he's not always the cleanest guy either, but... <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I I think it's very hard to put pick two random names and put them on a poll. It's kind of silly, actually. 
I, I, I think was, you, when I you missed that, Charlton Hughes in there. You missed Charlton Hughes and Odell Willis, who are playing both having exceptional yeah. years. And very exciting players, right? They like yeah. to talk. They like to play. They like their personalities. They're big personalities, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of them. There's there's lots. It's it's really hard to, to you know, to uh, to say that, though. And, and again, I, I think those are two probably poor choices, even if you were trying to just pick two. But I think it's kind of silly to try and pick two of the most exciting players in the CFL. And it's going to be a very personal thing, which I guess is why it was a poll, but... Yeah, but if it's Paul, I don't know. You got to have at least some some choices. Okay. Yeah, okay. I seemed where it was too. Yeah. Willie, James Walter Jr., yes, most exciting player this year. You, you're up there. You're his fan. He loves no, James my Wilder two most ex- my two most exciting players this year are uh, Sook Chung and Stanley Bryant. Okay. I like watching offensive linemen. Sorry. <laughs> Dead silence all over the radio. Dead I know. Silence. I know. They're they're all looking real fast to see who those guys are. Um, you no, know, we know who I they like are. Alex, I like Alex Singleton. I like some of the, and maybe I'm a homer because I see I see Calgary more, and at home I like uh, a lot of the guys in Calgary's defensive backfield. Um, but. Yeah, James Wilder Jr., he doesn't even count, in my opinion. And uh, Duke Williams, I mean, last year he wasn't half the player he is this year because he was fat. Okay? He's much quicker this year. And he he is a good receiver, but, I mean, if you want to pick a receiver, pick S.J. Green, pick... Pick almost anybody because there's some really good guys out there. So I don't know who put that poll up, but it's kind of silly. And, and I got to I do have to agree with Charles and 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 I mean Andrew Harris is pretty is a pretty exciting player. Mm-hmm. So every game, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even pick one exciting player. Absolutely, even Solly when he's playing. Exciting yeah. player. Exciting player. Okay, but, but James Wilder Jr. And, and Duke Williams, come on. Neither one of those guys come to my mind. No, mine either. Mine either. I mean, you want to talk about exciting players? Mike Riley, when he runs with the football. To me, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. So, it's just a silly poll. Oh, and I silly, do like Cumbry Williams. And Cumbry Williams is a pretty special player, too. <laughs> Despite this week's victory, Ottawa Red Blacks coach Rick Campbell says he still sees room for improvement for his team. Really? Good thing. Where is the most, imp- most pressing need that Ottawa needs to improve on? Coaching. Consistency. Yeah. Finishing drives. Playing 60 minutes. Come on, Chris, jump in, say something. Throw something out there. I'm on just agreeing with you. <laughs> I'm agreeing with all your guys' choices. Well, beating me to the punch. Um, I mean, yeah, it, consistency, I think, would be the big one. Consistency's got to be the big one, right? 
you got to be consistent in the in the in the red zone. You got to be consistent on the field. You got to be consistent on D and O. They just they're just too show up and don't show up team. And that I, whether and that might be coaching. You might be very right. Maybe that is coaching. Well, it's got to be. I mean, look at the best teams in the CFL over the last decade. What have they all had in common? Great coaches. Right? Great coaches. Yeah. Ottawa Ottawa's not one of the great teams in the CFL. Yeah, they won a great cup, but they, they they I don't want to say they cheated, but they had a stacked team at the time because the the rules didn't apply to them because they were an expansion team. So they got a leg up over everybody else. Not not unlike Saskatchewan who makes their own leg up. Multiple legs. Sometimes too many legs. Okay, Willie, Rick Campbell, where's the room for improvement in Ottawa? They can improve everywhere. Yeah, I think so. You know, their defense is not that great. Their offense is not that great. And their coaching staff is not that great. So where should you start? You can't fire the whole team, so you fire Rich Campbell. There's a thought. You know, I would... And make... And make Noel Thorpe the head make, coach. There you go. If anybody in the league deserves mouth. to be a head coach, it's Noel Thorpe. Yep. But who's going to need a head coach next year? Saskatchewan? Mm-hmm. BC? Edmonton should. Ottawa should. Montreal yep. needs a head coach. How long's June Jones going to stay in Hamilton? There's going to be quite a few coaches that, that uh, teams looking for coaches, I think. Yeah, so you better <laughs> not be waiting. You better be on no the ball. Kidding. Right? Orlando Steinauer seems to be the uh, the person in, in, in line behind June Jones, and I'd have yeah, to say Noel Thorpe is – is waiting to get rid of Rick Campbell. But then, you know, if that doesn't happen, Noel Thorpe gets a phone call from, from Ed Hervey. He's in BC. Cause I don't think Jarius Jackson's in a move up position and God help us. If Mark Washington is, we might as well get Benny back. Well, I'm thinking uh Kahari Jones has had lots of experience this, this, these last two or three years, he could be the head coach in BC next year. No, 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 no. He's moving up in Montreal. He's going to take the place for Mike Sherman. Don't, no, 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 no. You'll go easy. Don't, don't be hurting the Montreal Alouettes. They're an important team in this league, and they need their, to keep their key personnel in the right places. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just, just don't, don't, don't be making, a, don't be working on the Angry Birds over there. They need to, they need to be things just, just happy doodle. Sahari Jones is not coming back to BC. Not gonna happen. Okay. Thank you, Charles. Did you jump on this one? I don't think so. Uh, Ottawa. Hmm. Where do I start? Actually, to me, oh uh, we talked about it. Early, to, to me, and we talked about it earlier. Really, um, consistency and being able to finish drives because we talked about it earlier. 600 yards of offense and two touchdowns. It's simply not enough. 
So they, they've got to work on their finish and work on their killer instinct because right now there's not much, uh, there's nothing there, or not nothing there, but not enough that um, to be complete in these games because, like we said, they were if they're playing anybody else this past week in Montreal, they're losing. So they've got to um, really work on their consistency and being able to finish off drives. Yeah, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? Okay, I'm going to read this one. So, yeah, Ottawa head coach Rick Campbell, you got lots to improve on, including yourself, brother, including yourself. And if you don't improve yourself, somebody else will. What was the matter with Tommy Campbell? He was scratched for the game. He was a healthy scratch, had personal reasons, because he refused to buckle his chin strap during the practice, buckling only one chin strap, not two. Mm -hmm. That was really weird. Tommy Campbell got benched for an entire game because he wouldn't buckle his chin strap in practice. What is this, peewee football? It's stupid. Uh, just another thing to put onto the Montreal pile. Are, and are teams competing to be the biggest train wreck? Because it's like one team does something stupid, and then another team's like, hold my beer, I can be worse than this. It kind of looks that way. I mean, come on, the guy is an adult. You know, you don't bench a player for that in professional football. Well, it, it appears that way. Yeah, I know. It's something stupid. tells me. Something tells me that was probably one problem with mixed in with a whole bunch more problems. It's got to be right. He he never he was never a problem in Calgary, but I don't think you get away with much in Calgary, to be honest with you. I mean, it's you know, it's Huff's way or. Or Dickinson's way or the highway. So, and uh, I, I just, you know, they they didn't they didn't talk about Tommy Campbell much when in Calgary, and he didn't give that many interviews. So I I tend to wonder if he was a problem, and we just didn't hear about it. Well, he did get suspended so, because he, he got arrested or something, didn't he? No, he didn't get suspended because it. It, was, it was in the off season. Okay. But he did have legal problems for a little bit, even though they I well, don't think he, they ever he never charged got, him. He never got charged. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, oh, yeah, this isn't uh, – this bag full of drugs is not mine. I'm just holding it for my little brother. Right. That was mm-hmm. kind of what it was, right? Something like that. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on from that one. Okay. As the CFL, the CFL, as part of their Diversity of Strength campaign, is honoring 12 individuals who broke the barrier of diversity list. Discuss each one 
quickly. Wow. You want me to do this? Can't do that. I just held this over from Wednesday. I know you did. Yep. And I told you to, I think, or maybe we didn't. You did, yep. Yeah, you did. Okay. Okay, meet our 2018 CFL Trailblazers. Uh, Wally Buono, a Canadian immigration success story. Wally Buono rose from his family's humble beginnings in Montreal to become a Hall of Fame player, coach, and executive. Johnny Bright felt the sting of discrimination as a U.S. college player in Edmonton. He found a spot on the roster and a home for life. Joey Moss. Do you remember Joey Moss? Edmonton fell in love with Joey Moss in the 80s. For 30-plus years, he's shown that people with disabilities can be a valuable part of any organization. Helm Harrison. In the 60s, two Calgary Stampeders followed very similar paths to... Herm Harrison. Herm, sorry. Herm. Herm. I said harm, didn't I? Herm. Followed very similar paths to a new country and a new outlook on life. John Helton. John Helton did the exact same thing. Did the same thing. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Neil Hughes, growing up a Mete in Regina, shaped Neil's life as a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He shared his experience with kids like him across the province. Okay. What's a Mete? What's a Mete? Do you mean Mete? Mete. Mete. Not the pirate kind? Ah, shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> you, you go home. I'm going to turn off your mic. Okay? I am. I'm going to turn off your mic. You're annoying me. Obi Kwan. You okay with Obi Kwan? Yep. You got anything yes, else sir. to say? A Muslim of Pakistani no, descent. There weren't many people like Khan in football. It didn't matter. He found acceptance in the game, and he is adopted home of Winnipeg. Bernie Custis denied the chance to play quarterback in the NFL. Bernie got on a train and came to Hamilton to play for the Ticats in 1951. It's when black guys weren't allowed to play football in the NFL. It It wasn't that long ago. Orlando Bowen, a victim of what he believed to be racial-motivated violence. Bowen was proven innocent and forgave his assailants. Today, Bowen works as a motivational speaker. I don't know the story there. Uh, Where do these guys get these names from? Moton? Moton Hopkins? Bullied as a kid while growing up in a nonverbal autistic younger brother. Hopkins knew he wanted to deliver a positive message when he became a pro. Okay, good for him. Joanne Pollock. She made history as the first female GM in North America, North American sports. Today, Pollock is honored to have steered her team through a tumultuous time in the CFL history. Who is this? Who was she the GM? She was never the GM of the Ottawa, Ottawa Red Blacks. Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa Rough Riders, nineteen eighty-eight, early nineties. Really? Late eighties. That's right. Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay. Eighty-eight. She interviewed her on the game last night. Yeah, she's the first business person that the CFL hired to run the business side of football. Okay. The rest of them, they used to hire football guys to run the business side. Yeah. Big mistake. Yeah. 
Herb Trawick, first black player in CFL history. Breaking barrier journey wasn't easy. He came to Montreal home, and eventually the city took him in. Okay, so those are it. What have we got? Twelve players. We got twelve players. Twelve people. Does Joey Moss never played football? And I'm pretty sure Joanne didn't either. Not in the CFL. Okay, so what's the question here? We got only a few minutes left. Uh, barriers. Let quickly discuss one. Any anybody stand out in there that you got any stories for any one of them? Chris. So. Uh, no, not real. I mean, Joey Moss is probably the one I know the best, uh, just because I was in Edmonton going to school and he was with the Oilers. So I met him a couple of times. He was a really good guy. Um, but actually my best, one of my best friends lived right across the street from him. So it was good. He's, uh, you know, I mean, he, uh, definitely, uh, took that job and made it his own for sure. And, uh, uh, yeah. I, I I mean, most of them probably a little bit before my time, but, so I don't have a lot to about uh, about them. I mean, I I do know the history of it. I knew a lot of their names beforehand because I do know uh, what the league meant to everybody and what it's done for definitely for Americans that couldn't play uh, for racial reasons and and just for I mean. I know when I even in all the way back to high school, my teams always were made up by we had all sorts of ethnic backgrounds, uh, like Khan, um, and they still do. So it, it is something that does bring everybody together. Football is a universal uh, universal thing. Everybody can't play the game, so when you do, it's kind of a brotherhood. I've always often compared it to military, to be honest with you. It's something that makes you feel like you belong to something, for sure. Okay. Willie, anything particular there? We don't have a lot of time left in the show. Well, you know, if you mention that the one guy who who broke the barrier by playing quarterback because they didn't have quarterbacks in the NFL, you could you could throw Warren Moon in there too, okay? Because he did come here because they wouldn't let him play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, we could put Warren Moon in there. You're correct, but he wasn't the first one. No, but he's the he's the biggest one who went on to the NFL and was successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they realize what kind of mistake they made. Because if you go back, I watched Warren Moon in the Rose Bowl that year, win the Rose Bowl as a quarterback, and then I hear they're going to make him a wide receiver in the NFL. And it's like, really? And then before I knew it, he was in the CFL. So, Yeah. Okay, I have to uh, wrap up the show because it's over. Charles, do you have anything quick to say? Um, not a whole lot right now. Just congrats to all of them, and uh, I think they picked uh, 12 good representatives. We've got dead air. Did we lose CJ? Did we lose everybody? Are we on the line here? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. I think we might have lost, we just CJ. lost CJ. Yeah, yeah okay. I think so. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we got about a minute left or so on, so why don't we just quickly go around and say goodnight before we get cut off? Uh, just go Chris and then Will. 
Good night, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you on Wednesday to preview the new games. Okay. Will? Good night, everybody. Talk to you on Wednesday. Go Owls. All right. This has been Let's Talk CFL 271. Uh, for our host, Christopher Jones, I'm Charles Cliff. Good night. We'll talk to you on Wednesday night and preview the upcoming week.